Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Captain John Picard of the USS Commander Benjamin Sisko, the Federation Starfleet, Deep Space Nine. Welcome to the Greatest Generation, Deep Space Nine. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. I tried to put a little embarrassment into my performance of my own voice. I I'm could hear it. Harrison. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I haven't tried that before now. Yeah, it only took us 400 episodes. Now that Lower Decks exists, I'm like interested in, like, am I a voice performer? Could we credibly get a gig as a, as a background character on that show that gets blown into space? I would like to. I think... I think your chances are better than mine. I find when I listen to myself uh, back again, I'm I'm a little too slurry. I, I think I'm a little <laughs> loose with my enunciation. I need to really tighten that shit up if I want to go pro. That's because so much day drinking with you. I know. It, it's become impossible to hide. <laughs> Anytime you hear an ad break and it's one of my ads, you can tell uh, Ooh boy. I've gotten into the bottle. Adam is three sheets as he tells us about this food delivery system. <laughs> I feel like uh, we've been on tour and drunk enough together where I feel like I could ask you this question and I could get an honest answer. How uh-huh. do you know that I'm drunk? Am I, am I <laughs> very obviously drunk to you when I'm drunk? I feel like I'm a pretty no. good chill drunk. Like, like you might not know it. Yeah, you're a chill drunk. I'm not flipping over tables. I think we're both like that. We don't get mean yeah. or or punchy or or sad or anything like that. Look at us defending our drinking choices. <laughs> Look at how healthy we are. Yeah. I removed the Shimoda box from my phone, Ben. If you've noticed me oh. uh, completely bailing from one of our shared tasks... Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I I had an epiphany, which was, uh, I don't think this is anyone's specific fault. So if you see yourself in this description, I'm not talking about you, <laughs> but I would often like, like when I wake up, I'm going to grab a coffee. I'm going to check my email. That's a normal way to begin a day. I think for most people. I'd read the yeah, sh- I'd sure. read the Shimoda box, and most of the time it was, uh, "Hey, you probably didn't know you were fucking this up, but I'm just gonna let you know how, in fact, you are <laughs> fucking this up, and and here's why. Love the show. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't deal with that drag anymore, uh, so yeah. I, I got rid of it. I never had it on my phone. I always have to." launch the email program on my computer to look at the drunkshimoda at gmail.com. So it feels... I like the intentionality of that choice. Yeah. I I felt like I automated it in a way that was bad for me. I think it's good to have some boundaries there. (laughs) Yeah, more and more. Yeah. I just want to talk about Star Trek with my friend. Right. And it's not that we don't, like, want to find out that the, like, thing we thought was a... A miniature was actually CG or whatever. Like that, I think that's generally like interesting information to receive. It's just not like like the first thing you encounter from another human being in the morning being a "you were wrong about X" is a I think drag. 
Yeah, I think that's my point. I'm trying to I'm trying to deploy strategies that give me the best chance of having a not shitty day. <laughs> and I think it's about stacking up enough moments that don't make me feel bad if I can possibly do it. Like avoiding opportunities to feel like shit. I'm not even I'm not even seeking out things to make me feel good. I'm just trying to avoid the bad if I can. Right. Let's start by not backsliding. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I mean... I feel like this needs to be its own segment, right? Like a, like a new, a new regular segment where it's, it's like, it's co-host therapy. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I, I look at me, I just hopped up on your couch, Ben, made myself at home and I just... I just we need put to on talk. the white noise machine so that uh, my other co-host out in the hallway can't hear what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it smells nice in here. Uh, hey, is that a candle? Yeah. yeah, a little scented candle. I don't care for it, but uh, but it's good, you know, patient relations. Kind of a lot of boxes of tissues around here. A, a suspicious <laughs> amount of tissues, if you ask me. I don't think they're all for faces either. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, you know when the when the pandemic started, we were worried that tissues were going to be next on the list of items that were hard to come by. And I mean, I don't need to tell you what would happen if I didn't have lots of tissues around. You know what I like about your office is that you keep you keep it playful, right? It's not just a waste paper basket. There's a little little mini basketball hoop over there, so <laughs> I can uh, I can throw them away like that, make a little yeah. game out of it. Yeah. Don't shine a uh, black light around that mini basketball hoop. And what's going on here seems pretty pervy, doesn't it? Do you think there's a shitty kind of therapy patient that uh, that that uses up a bunch of cry tissues and then just leaves them in a pile on the coffee <laughs> table or on the floor? God, that has to be annoying, right? Yeah. But you that... can't say anything because you don't want to make them feel bad. No. Not, you think not you can pick way. up your cry tissues? <laughs> Larry? Yeah. <laughs> ben. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ben, I'm going to need you to uh, put a couple bucks in the tissue jar just because I feel like you're using uh, you're using more than your, your fair allotment of tissues, to be There's honest. There's kind of an average that we expect of each patient. We build that into what we charge. But, uh, you know, some people go a little over and... In your case, we're going to ask you to compensate for that somewhat. That's, God, that is, that's a half hour Larry goes to therapy <laughs> episode of Curb right there we're constructing, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what am I doing paying for tissues? That's your expense. <laughs> I had some gum in my mouth. I didn't want to have the gum in my mouth when I talked about my, my feelings. <laughs> that's a tissue right there. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, really great casting for the therapist. Like, you definitely recognize him from something. You can't quite put your finger yeah. on it. Oh, did he have, like, a recurring role on How I Met Your Mother or something? Yeah. Yeah, I've always wanted to see an actor like that in a role like this. <laughs> uh. Wow. Well, speaking of actors like that in a role like this... Uh, this is one of those episodes, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, a highly therapeutic episode. This is one I uh, we recorded 
just lower decks last week uh, mm-hmm. as of as of this recording and i thought we were recording one lower decks and one greatest gen so i i watched this uh i watched this two times now wow. I, I watched it again to get ready for today and it is uh, it's a really intense episode it also keeps striking me how much it has in common like story beat wise with episode nine of lower decks which is yeah. also about a an extended holodeck therapy sesh. Oh my god, therapy works. Guys, therapy works. That's much jokier obviously than this, but uh I don't know if people listen to the hit Star Trek podcast The Greatest Discovery or are watching Lower Decks, but uh Well, if you're a friend of DeSoto, you're at least subscribed and and downloading. Yeah. That's that's how you do it. That's the least you could do, right? <laughs> I believe so. Ben, <laughs> let's uh Let's get to it. Uh, it's season seven, episode 10 of Deep Space Nine. It's called, It's Only a Paper Moon. Do you realize how incredible this is? <laughs> no, of course you don't. Rom is so nervous to see his son Nog. He's been away. He's been off getting his his leg put back on or, or his fake leg put on in place of his real leg. He's got... He's got like Luke Skywalker leg. Real leg for my real friends. Stinky leg for my my fake friend. <laughs> I, I don't know how that goes. I I just started something I couldn't finish. Yeah, he really did not stick the landing on that. <laughs> but I liked the try. You, this is I mean, there are a lot of beats in this story that are just very sad. And it starts right away with why aren't Nog and Rom and Lita talking ever really throughout his recuperation and recovery from this. It, I mean, the nerves stem from the unknown, right? Right. Like, and I think Lita's the one that that gives this voice. She's like, you know, we haven't really been able to connect over the FaceTime. It's she's been writing him letters and he's not writing back. She's trying to. I think she's been trying to respect his space by writing letters instead of calling, because it's like a you know, look at this on your own time. I didn't even turn on read receipts on this iPad thing, you know? I don't feel like enough is made of Lita's stepmomness. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. Like, like, I think that could be a really interesting tension to explore, but very little of Lita's discomfort in this moment is constructed around the hey i'm your dad's new wife and i'm trying to have a relationship with you and i know you're going through a thing and just want to say i'm here like it lita unfortunately kind of makes it about her a little bit i think that she and rom just don't know what to expect here and what to expect when you're expecting your son to return from war your your (laughs) wounded warrior (laughs) Yeah. Coming home, yeah, uh, classic, classic self-help book. Yeah, no, but I, I mean, I, I, I agree. I think there's an episode that we could have gotten that is the, what is the Ram Naglita family dynamic, and that could have been an interesting version of telling this story. But instead, we just get this like one moment, and I feel like, I feel like what Lita is giving voice to is the writers realizing like, oh shit. Yeah, I guess Lita uh-huh. is technically Nug's stepmom now. So what does that right. mean? Oh, well, we yeah. only have three 
lines of dialogue for her character in this episode. So let's get as much of of uh, let's let's like get as much of that across as possible because we may never come back to this as a topic. Nog's mom has got it going on. And I'm here to say, <laughs> Nog's mom has got it going. <laughs> yeah, everybody's nervous, Adam. This scene does good work to foreshadow what's coming up next and how wrong everyone gets it, right? Yeah. Because Lita and and Rom are guessing about what it's going to be. The rest of the crew has has invested in how they believe it's going to be. They they think gathering together outside of the airlock with a like fast casual restaurant birthday song you know <laughs> as sung and clapped by the crew is gonna is gonna make him feel better but it doesn't the like the crew is is doing some light bit work with nog when he emerges and i think we need to add maybe a a lowercase b to the already existing rule of greatest gen which goes like no bits on tips maybe maybe no bits on returning veterans would be would be an addendum to that maybe maybe feel them out kind of see where they're they're at with the injury that they recently sustained before you start going like hey strong as an ox ready to get back to work attaboy yeah ready to kick some ass with your good leg nog (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) you don't want to step into that one I don't know what. Oh, I the... did it again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the comfortable version of this is, though, right? Like, if they hadn't shown up, that's even worse. You right. Know? You, yeah. You got to be there. It's just making a choice of what you do once you are. And unfortunately, everyone chooses the same thing. Everyone choose to, chooses to give a little shit. He is in no mood for that. And shit isn't the right tone. Yeah, he uh, he gives the captain his orders, which are to not do anything until until he's healed up. Medical leave? How could that be? That leads to the like invite to party that goes over like a lead balloon. Rescheduling a party in the twenty fourth century seems like a far easier thing to do when all of your shit is replicated, right? Right. Like, yeah, the, all the canapes just go right back into the replicator system. Are those Valerian canapes? I don't think anyone's making a cake from scratch, right? <laughs> Cisco's the kind of guy that would, but he would, like, cut an yeah. egg open with a knife, and you'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? I thought you were a chef. <laughs> His fucked up carrot cake has, like, <laughs> real big hunks of carrot in it. Yeah, you're supposed to grate the carrot, Cisco. You don't you don't cut little pieces out with a paring knife. Uh-huh. <laughs> Is this a wedding ring? What are you doing? We get a very first blood kind of solitary walk to the door of the airlock here. You uh you visiting somebody around here? For Nog. It's pretty rough. He walks himself into theme. And yeah. uh, after the break, it's it's no surprise that Ezri is going to be heavily involved in his reintegration into his old life. We need to find an outlet for all that rage. Have you ever made paella? That begins with kind of a catch-up sesh. Ezri's doing all the talking. I think that is uh, a sign of some trouble here. Nog is kind of looking out into the middle distance. Yeah. As Esri, Esri catches him up on the tee. I half expect Miles to start wearing a coonskin cap to work. <laughs> right. And uh, she does that like, so uh, anything you want to talk about? <laughs> and he 
cites specifically the fact that he is walking with a limp and a cane. And the deal is he has medically passed muster. Everything should be going great, but he is still in a great deal of pain. And when he doesn't use the cane, he's in even more pain. And this has been determined by tricorders to be something that is psychosomatic. The problem's all in my head. It's not that there's anything wrong with the leg. It's that there's still something wrong emotionally with Nog. So, you know, you'd think Esri would be the, the natural person to help him through something like this. But I think both Nog is very hostile to therapy and also Esri does not seem to have like a good plan of treatment. I agree. Do you think, and I think this is the right time to ask this question, do you think it's a mistake not to show the leg? Because we are given an idea that it's just like the other leg and it's fine. Like, like it should feel like normal. And what Nog is experiencing is a kind of phantom limb syndrome, maybe, but maybe right. it isn't due to the tricorders. But I wonder if... They thought about showing the leg and decided not to for any reason besides budget. Like, uh, yeah, they are had we to cut are, the scene where he goes to the Deep Space Nine indoor pool and walks right. around in a Speedo. Is the suggestion that the leg looks just like his other leg? Because I wonder yeah, how much... Yeah, it's biosynthetic. It maybe is just like impossible to tell the difference. I wonder what that does to you as a viewer if you see it like if you if if we hear that he shouldn't be having a problem but also see that it looks exactly like his other leg does right. that not help us feel empathy for nog up front yeah that's a good question i don't know i mean he's he's clearly like super down and it and it is a real different version of nog than we've gotten like his he's always been like the like almost obnoxiously enthusiastic with the way he plays his character. Did it almost look like to you that his makeup was a little different? He, like, more lines in it, maybe. Like, I think they made him look yeah. weaker or or more put on. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. The cane is going to be the representation of this problem and, uh, and his need for it. Wins. Fatality. It's been two months since the siege on AR-558, we find out. And the early part of this episode is just about Nog, like, walking around in civilian clothes and feeling bad for himself. Like, he, like he's, he's lying in his room 18 hours a day playing Vic Fontaine records to the point where Jake has to come in and, like, beg him to shut the, shut the radio off because he's just playing the same song on loop. Enough is enough. I think it's sweet that the crew wanted to give Nog a party when he showed up, but I think it it would have been more appreciated to have his own quarters, <laughs> right? I mean, I what mean, the if fuck? He, if he was on a starship, he'd be he'd be in a bunk bed hallway, right? Like he's just an ensign. Yeah. He's lucky that he has a, a double. Do you think when Picard cranked Berlioz in Star Trek: First Contact, you could hear it through the wall, <laughs> the way the way that you could hear Vic Fontaine through the wall mm. in this scene. Yeah, that's what brought Riker into the room. You say? Leave me alone. Yeah. Nog doesn't want a doter. And this is another instance where, like, it, for some reason, Jake is bringing it with, with, like, two barrels, right? On the one hand, 
he doesn't want to hear this fucking song again. On the other, this is another expression of a friend doting. Yeah. It's... I, I, I thought it was interesting that these were the, the couple of moments that they gave Jake because... Jake is in that scene at the beginning when Nog comes in, but he's like way in the background. Like he is a, you yeah. know, like, oh yeah, I know Jake. I, I know Nog from work. We're not super close, but I'll go be there for him when he comes back from, from the right. hospital. Like they're best buds. He should have been the first person to like run up and give Nog a big old hug. For some reason, Jake isn't wondering whether or not he should sign the birthday card going around the office. Like, <laughs> obviously, yeah, is he going to recognize my name? I've, we've only interacted a couple of times. I mean, it's been pleasant. I think they do a good job with Nog. Like, it's seeing him outside of his uniform, I think, is another aspect to making him feel kind of weakened. And yeah. I, f- I think part of it is that he's wearing so much clothing. Civilian clothing makes him look even smaller than he is usually, you know? Civilian Ferengi clothing that is specifically kind of dowdy. It's not It's yeah. not as... Uh, he doesn't have, like, bling the way Quark does. He looks kind of... He, he has grandpa vibes with the, with the cane and the colors that he's wearing. What was the word you used there? Dowdy? Dowdy, yeah. Yeah. Oh. If his clothes, did if his clothing were more- mention my species? <laughs> I didn't think he looked particularly like a dowd. Then again, we can look like whatever we want. Whenever anyone criticizes my clothing choices, I destroy all other clothing everywhere, <laughs> and then I'm like, "That's all I got. It's all that's perishable to wear. What are you gonna do now?" Now that you're naked, you have to dress just like me, or else. (laughs) Don't fuck with me. My conscience went out the window a long time ago. I realized I could never get clean again. You know, if you described Nog's clothes as gouty, it would mean that uh, he (laughs) had not finished putting them on. (laughs) Well, it was a very complicated build. It's taken decades. Speaking of sleep, the next scene is where Cisco and Esri kind of do the download on Nog, and we learn that he's been sleeping just a very enviable amount, Ben. 18 (laughs) hours is what he's getting. You're just a new person after after an 18-hour shift, right? Oh, man. Uh, the bad news is that he's he's been skipping his PT, so that's a concern. And uh, Esri and Cisco are the type that want to do something. Like this is news that that they view as actionable, but maybe laying back in the cut and seeing where Nog wants to go with this is is a better plan. And so that's what they end up doing. Jake has yelled at Nog, like, go, like, get yourself out of here, go rent a hollow suite. And I think what Jake imagined Nog would do is not go listen to the same song just in a different room. But <laughs> right. The suggestion is that he blasts. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would, that helps everyone. Uh, but, right. but Nog uh, goes and fires up the Vic Fontaine program and has him run through every arrangement of Paper Moon that he knows. And, and we get like, flashbacks in this episode in a way that is pretty unusual for Star Trek. Mm-hmm. The uh, flashback to not getting shot plays when he's on his way to the hollow suite. And later there's a flashback of Nog like lying on a bio bed in Star Trek caves in the aftermath of getting shot, asking Bashir 
what's with this weird music and learning about Vic Fontaine. Did they use the same visual language for all the flashbacks? Because I, I remember a, a dip to white before the first one, and I sort of recall that being the only time they used that technique. Yeah, I don't think they use it on the second one, but it, it stuck out to me because especially flashing back to, like that's, I think, a scene that wasn't in AR558. Mm. That's right, and that's why the language would be different. It's yeah. interesting. I had a very bad experience with a dip to white transition back mm. in my corporate video days. Oh, no. Sometimes you just need to know your audience, and I, I thought that would be a useful transition for a project I was working on, and the... The client was like they had never seen a dip to white transition before ever, even though <laughs> I felt like like it's a thing. You see it all the time. You see it in commercials. You see it in mostly yeah. in commercials, actually. But there yeah, is they not were like, a nonlinear. There is not a nonlinear editing program on the market that doesn't have right. a dip to color transition in the default package of filters and settings that you get this was a transition i rarely used but for whatever reason in this project i felt like it was right and they were like yeah uh what was up with that uh that mistake in in that edit it it looked like (coughs) something was wrong what happened there i had to uh i had to teach my client about dip to white and then you can guess what happened next you Uh, had to change it to something else Yeah. Oh my god. Fuck those interactions forever. <laughs> no dip to white in a podcast transition, brother. Those days are behind me. You've heard them all. Now which one's your favorite? So Vic does that thing that you really can't do, which is ask about the thing that's bothering Nog. Like as soon as he walks in, it's like, hey Nog, how's the leg? <laughs> Not a good start. But uh, yeah, we, he he performs this paper moon jam. This does really work for Nog. We get lots of different uh, shots of Nog sitting alone in the audience, like r- really head nodding. I don't feel like they quite made the case that this is such a great comfort for him. Mm-hmm. Like I think this is a really good episode and a really great Aaron Eisenberg performance, but. I don't think that they quite justified the Vic Fontaine connection here. Yeah. Like, why the fuck he would care about this in particular? Help me once when I was unhappy. I think there are examples from television and movies where uh, characters who've experienced great trauma latch on to unusual things. Yeah. And this isn't totally a crazy idea. I think it's a it's a convenient one, maybe more convenient than than maybe we'd like. Hollow Sweet Rehab is uh, is going to be on the menu for him, and we get a really awkward throw to commercial at the end of this scene. It was very jarring to me. This was the scene that ends with Nog saying, "Like, hey, according to regulations, I can have my yeah. rehab anywhere. How uh-huh. about I how about I crash with you for a while?" Right. Yeah, that does that does fade like it, it's it is the rare fade to commercial in Deep Space that Nine that doesn't leave any tension that would like have you come back to watch the rest of the episode. <laughs> I think the the visual language of the Star Trek series up until now gives us a longer runway into commercial. I think part of it it's related to the uh, to the dip to white conversation we just had. Like it's a strange dip to black speed 
here yeah. with the with the musical sting. Right. I thought it was the, unusual. When we come back, we have a McLaughlin group. Issue one. And it's... It's everyone besides Pat Buchanan talking about <laughs> Pat Buchanan and how concerned they are about him. <laughs> <laughs> Seems to be reading a lot of, like, mind Kampf lately. Right. <laughs> it, yeah, it's, it's like, like... He didn't learn it, the lessons of the 40s correctly. And it also serves as just a uh, just a beatdown of Bashir's Halasweet program references, like <laughs> at Bashir. How can hiding in one of Julian's adolescent programs be a good sign? Hey, he's like, you know, I could lobotomize everyone at this table, and you'd never know it. <laughs> it's also not the worst program that I use in that suite. <laughs> There are programs that he could be running where if we opened the door to the suite, (laughs) urine would come flooding into the hallway. (laughs) It'd be like a Eureak the Shining. (laughs) (laughs) So, there's some, like, idea of, like, maybe we should let him play this out. Like, maybe he's trying to, like... He's trying to seek a therapeutic result from this just checking out of the world entirely situation. It's a very different reaction to what happened to Barclay when he was uh, really into the into the hollow suite, right? Like nobody tosses out the idea of hollow addiction or anything. And I thought that that would have been like kind of a fun element to bring into this, like is like like when do people in the 24th century think that somebody is using the hollow suite in a pathological way i'm guilty of a terrible crime doctor this episode gives you enough time to think about it before slamming the door on that thought with the idea that vic fontaine is just different man (laughs) you know like this program is unique he is unique his awareness of himself is unique in a way that sort of forgives the pathology right or not if if it doesn't forgive it it obscures it yeah i mean and i think that uh they also maybe like get out of that implication by bringing quark to the fore and having him be like a giant piece of shit about who's gonna pay for it right (laughs) like like, i think that you can kind of like distract from one pathology by waving another one in front of the viewer and it's very generous of you so somebody better tell vic what's going on here and it's esri to do that vic seems game to help nog through his circumstances and that's that's nice i have some ideas on how to wean him off the stick okay but don't push it vic's cardigan here is the is the jam for me uh casual vic fontaine Give me that action figure. That would be a good action figure. That's a good cosplay to uh, to wear to a, an STLV. I would love to see you in a in a nice 1950s cashmere sweater. And may I suggest you uh, carry something with a little more style? To be quite honest about it, I was in a pale. A fucking pale. Mr. Bucket, I have to revert back to my living state. Vic has been known to encourage the fucking uh, with people who hang out with him on the hollow suite in his hotel suite. Do I seem pushy to you? <laughs> but instead, uh, the hang that Vic and Nog are having has to do with watching old-timey television. Yeah, they're watching Shane on the TV. 
Loved seeing that dog in Shane. I love seeing a dog in a really old movie. You know what else we need as an action figure? Noggle's edition Nog, where he's <laughs> where he's wearing his own sweater from this scene. Yeah, that's pretty good. He cleans up nice, Nog. You know what's fucked up about the Noggle's action figure is you get like a, a purple newspaper and a <laughs> yeah. purple cane and yeah. a uh, purple roll of casino blueprints. The little purple cane does uh, make fire. <laughs> right. You can light a cigar with, with it. Nog is kind of a TV pedant, right? I kind of feel like he should have a podcast yeah, from yeah. what he's saying about the Shane program he's watching. Yeah. He, he takes a look at Shane getting shot and he's like, well, what the hell? He's not even grabbing a shoulder. He's, he seems fine. That's not what being shot is like. I wonder why Shane, of all the things that they could spend money to license, why Shane? I feel like later on they make a comparison to the Rifleman or something as being a superior program. <laughs> Maybe uh, Shane writes were cheaper than Rifleman writes. Wow. And that's why. Damn. <laughs> Shane's like one of the most, uh, it's like, it's like, I think it's a classic Western though. Like, I don't know. I mean, like you, you never know what these things are going to cost until you ask too. Like we got, uh, we got the rights for war. What is it good for? I, I mean, I don't want to say the actual price, but it was like, I was expecting it to be like a hundred thousand dollars. And it was like a lot, a lot, a lot less than I thought that it would be. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's weird. It's weird depending on the song, that's for sure. And it's yeah. got to be weird. It's got to be a lot different depending on the show or maybe even the episode of that show. So Nog is hanging out on this couch and he's like, this couch hang rules. Let's just do this forever. And Vic is like, no, man, I got to go. I got a gig tonight. Like the the people need Fontaine and I, I'm going to give it to him. And Nog doesn't get this. He doesn't understand the... You know, the the show business rules that the show must go on. Vic can't leave these people hanging, and Nog is, like, pretty disappointed. But he accepts the gift of a replica Errol Flynn cane. You don't think there's an understudy for Vic Fontaine, right? Like, <laughs> Dick Fountain? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Vic comes off as as playing three-dimensional chess here, right? In a pretty interesting right. way. He's got tricks up his sleeve with the gift of this cane. Because on the one hand, Ben, this is the ugliest cane ever to exist. It's beautiful. It is really awful looking. Reminds me of the Grand Negus' staff. What the hell were you thinking, Errol Flynn? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just an embarrassment of a cane. And also it's super fragile. Yeah. You want to make it easily breakable <laughs> great but what's it for yeah don't put your whole weight on it it's bakelite not plastic and <laughs> nog is like oh oh cool i mean i don't have to and uh you know like this is it, it, this does seem like easing nog into the idea of not needing the walking assistance <laughs> they they kind of float in the sound of robocop walking when <laughs> <laughs> when Nog leaves here. Like, what if that were what his new leg sounded like? Oh, yeah. What if you could carry a phaser in it like Robocop? That'd be great. Nog could shoot people in the dick all the time. Oh, man. So many dicks. <laughs> Your move, creep. In the scene that follows, we see the shift that Vic works. And it's date night for, for some reason, Jake. He brings... I think this is a bad idea for a date, Jake. Like, you're bringing Keisha 
to the club to hang out with Nog, who may not be your best friend anymore, just based on the evidence. <laughs> yeah. And puts yeah. her into a really shitty situation. I'll be right back. You got to get table service. I don't think you can leave Keisha alone with Nog. That was weak, especially when Nog ha- was telegraphing very explicitly that he wasn't really excited to see Jake. I mean, Nog and Jake did not have any reconciliation after Jake blew up at him. And Nog is given no indication that it's water under the bridge. I feel like there's a social contract too, right? That I think you and I have both been witness of and party to that goes something like if if you are including a third in your hang, you don't and and you're the one that knows the third, you stay mm-hmm. with the third. Like you right. don't you don't stick your wife with them and they don't stick you with their weird work friend or whatever. Like you maintain the familiar pairing. Especially when the third is like, hey, I'll have a Makara Fizz and your and your friend that you're trying to introduce her to is like, they don't serve that here. Yeah. You know? For some reason, Jake doesn't see that this is going to be a fiery wreck as soon as he leaves to go get martinis. Yeah. I like uh, I like that Keisha appears to be a non-observant Bajoran. Yeah. She's, I like uh, that too. She's wearing not religious earrings. She's wearing regular earrings. Are you allowed to take your earring off to just like go be in cosplay for an evening if you're a Bajoran? Do the Bajorans who wear the dumpy burlap uh, costuming (laughs) look at her askance because she's dressed great? Oh, she thinks she's fancy. Yeah, poor Keisha. Yeah. She was in Starship Troopers, this actress. Whoa, really? Yeah. Yeah. Good pull. I think she's in Clueless, too. She's like one of the high school students in Clueless. As bad as Keisha gets it, for some reason, Jake gets it worse because when he returns with the drinks, it is table flipping time. And yeah. uh, when you when you flip a table, you want to use your legs. This is another example of Nog's legs being just fine. Flips right. this baby over. And then it's not just a table flip. It's a go around. Because Nog goes around the table and punches Jake down. Nog goes full Vegas gangster (laughs) on Jake. Why don't we just go outside and talk about it? And uh, and gets 86. Vic, like, runs off the stage and kicks Nog out of the joint. And Nog really expected that Vic would have his back in this moment in a way that... uh, that I thought was great. Like he he thought he he thought he ruled the roost in here. He does not. I love the transition here because I I had guessed that that would mean Nog would be eighty sixth from the Hollow Suite. No, right. we find Nog back in Vic's suite <laughs> afterwards yeah. when uh, when Vic gets off work. Yeah, and uh, you know when you get get home from work, you're tired. Maybe had a couple martinis afterward. Super late. You come home and somebody's watching a really loud, violent movie. There's a bad vibe, you know. No, doesn't feel good. I don't. I don't think they're particularly good roommates. No. This this Vic and Nog situation. Well, Vic is starting to get like wrung out. You know, he's <laughs> he's tired. He's never been on this long. He needs a refractory period. Yeah, he's like that Ripley clone in Alien Four. He's like, kill me. <laughs> The, the Ripley, we we cut from Nog to Vic, and Vic is just covered with hair and like a third arm, and and also naked. Yeah, there's a nipple where there should be no nipple. 
God, that scene was so effective. What a horror yeah. show that scene was. God. I, I think that that movie is, I mean, there are, there are a lot of legitimate complaints of, about Aliens 3 and 4, but I think they're both pretty great. <laughs> that movie seemed to get right the wet hair horror of The Ring that would come later. <laughs> like that, that cloned Ripley in tubes thing, all I can think of is the hair. And yeah. how much of it there was. And like that that's a thing that Japanese cinema artours knew from the start. You get yeah. that hair wet. And that's a that's a horror language right there. Then that's that French director who did like Amelie, right? That's Jean Pierre Junet, right? Yeah. Same yeah. Uh, same director as Amelie. And I feel like Jean Pierre Junet has like four films that are mainly about how gross wet hair can be. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Amelie, that's like that's like the B story in Amelie. Why is Amelie's City, hair so wet? City of Lost Children, gross wet hair movie. Delicatessen, gross wet hair movie. Oh, yeah, I can't think of Delicatessen without thinking of gross wet hair. Yeah, and cupping. Sick. <laughs> <coughs> this is the scene where... Anyways, Nog sticks his fingers deep in a sack of lentils, and that's the therapy he needs. <laughs> Vic's like, if you're going to stay, you got to start pulling your own weight. Uh, why don't you start working on these books? Yeah. And, uh, and because Nog is an alien that specializes in bookkeeping, uh, he's happy to do whatever it takes to stay. I'm guessing that this is like the next day or so, but Esri comes in and visits Vic in in the venue. Nog is not there. And uh, like one thing I always wonder about is like how the holograms work. If Vic is in the in the venue room, right? When Esri walks in, and and your player isn't in the same room, yeah. So the hologram is like convincing Esri that she's in a much bigger space than the hollow suite mm -hmm. itself. But it, but Nog is also in that same two bedrooms sized room, yeah. and can't hear her and isn't aware that she's even there. That's a wild. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's it suggests to me that you can be walked in on by someone if you're using a hollow suite, if there are many scenes and many characters uh, acting independently. Knock on my door! Knock next time! Yes, sir. Did you see anything? No, sir. I didn't see you playing with your dolls again. Good! I mean, it suggests that, like, if you were in on one side of the thing and somebody else is on the other side of the thing and called for the arch, you wouldn't necessarily know that the arch had even been called for. Right. Esri is pro-ending the program and gets into a little bit of a disagreement with Vic about whether or not to do that. But the, the realization of this scene is how constructive it is for Nog to have a project to work on because this casino project with Vic is going to be the thing that he that he throws his body and mind into as a form of recuperation. But yeah. I mean, he could have had a project outside the hollow suite. Why didn't Esri see that as a viable option? Esri, 
data therapy. How do you know that? I told him. I think it's interesting that she's kind of trying to pull therapy rank with Vic in this scene. No offense, but you're just a hologram, and I am his counselor. I outrank you. And fails to, mostly because Nog, like, holds the metaphorical revolver up to his head. He says, I'll, if you kick me out of this holly... Hollow Suite, I will resign my commission. And Ezra's yeah. like, okay, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> we don't need to get that extreme here. There's definitely something between Vic and Esri. There's a sexual tension, mm. I think. Yeah. He's saying he really, she's Diane. He really gave her trunk space a nice long look on her way out the door in a, in a previous <laughs> scene. You know? Oh, I didn't notice that. Oh, yeah. Like, he did a full-on, like, wolfish look over his shoulder as she left period appropriate leer <laughs> yeah yeah definitely we get a, a pretty long montage of different stuff going on in the hollow suite you know like now nah, working the books him and vic fontaine opening newspapers together the you know the vic fontaine tucking nog in after a long night of doing math problems or something um and at one point like esri is like back in the cut somewhere deep in the in the ballroom that vic fontaine performs in seeing nog like you know glad hand with the patrons without the use of his cane and uh you start to realize that this holodeck therapy session is actually potentially doing some some good i think the distraction really helps Right? When you're not thinking about the thing that's bothering you, all of a sudden you don't need that cane. You're uh you're like tiny Tim and Scrooged where you're like throwing your cane away and doing like gymnastics moves. <laughs> that's what we got here. Yeah. I thought that this was an interesting sequence because the way, you know, they're roommates and sort of business partners at this point, but they sort of play Nog and Vic almost as spouses in a couple of these little vignettes and i thought it was really sweet i thought it was like uh kind of like a moment i didn't see coming but but really likable uh thing that deep space nine did to sort of nod at maybe an lgbtq storyline before they had the courage to actually do one right right in which vic would be kind of the daddy figure <laughs> the zaddy <to> <laughs> There's a part of the montage of Nog's... <laughs> Wait a second. We can't go past that moment without saying, Daddy Vic. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, we can't. Glad we turned the pod car around for that. I had to pick it up. <laughs> Vic with two Cs. <laughs> right. No. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> Nog... Is uh, is sort of becoming a quirk figure of the club too, right? Yeah. Like this is this is a comparison that I saw. Like as he gains confidence, he's running the show in a way that that is very familiar. Go easy on the garnishes. People order a drink; they don't want a fruit bowl in the glass. Rom and Lita come to visit him in Hollow Therapy, and they have some good news of their own. Rom's gotten uh, a promotion, and I mean, like it. This is a scene that's about showing how much nog has lost touch with what's going on in the real world because like they had the party nog wasn't didn't even get invited because people didn't want to disturb him in his computer game but 
the computer gameness of this really is laid bare where he's like, yeah, we're earning tons of money in here. And they're like, yeah, like, but in-game useless money, right, Nog? And he's like, well, yeah, but... Uh. <laughs> this moment was sad to me. The the idea of life going on outside the hollow suite, I think this is our first taste of it, you know? Like, that that realization of like, oh yeah, we didn't even think to invite you, but we've got to cover that up with the sense that it was just a spur of the moment thing. And, yeah. and because you weren't around, you didn't know and that's like shit happens. I think the thing that is hardest for me to understand about the existence of esports and like people that watch video game streaming online is that like never in my entire life have I told somebody about something I did in a video game and had it seem like they thought it was interesting in the slightest. Oh, yeah. When Nog talks to them about how things are going in the casino, it was that feeling all over again. This is a, yeah, I, you'll never believe the game of Madden football <laughs> uh, I played yesterday. Like it was, yeah. it was just one of the all-time great comebacks. Yeah, yeah like I, no, one, <laughs> no one cares. It's a guy who's into flight simulators. <laughs> like, is what it feels like to me you know yeah. like yeah. those are the stakes right you have to be into the lifestyle to really get it i think people like a couple years younger than me have a totally different relationship with this than i do and that's the thing that's that's like i feel so left out of whatever is going on on twitch yeah it's not for us i guess it's not for us more 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 sweet more more Esri comes in and is like, wow, Vic, like game recognized game. This is working. You got this new casino thing going with Nog. Like you're, you're going to have him out of here in no time. And Vic is like out of here. Right. Yes. <laughs> that was the plan. Yes. That is the end game. We are both <laughs> headed toward here. Esri. I loved this scene because I, I don't think we've seen Vic like on his heels like this before. He's yeah. always kind of like the coolest dude in the room. And in this moment, suddenly Esri has the status in the scene. She's like the least likely character to, to gain status on Vic. I thought this was like one of the funnest scenes in the episode. It gives James Darren a different gear too. Like besides cool big band leader guy. Right. Like, I don't think we've ever seen him doubt anything before. And so he's got to, in this moment, uh, do the math on things. Now all that's left is to decide when he's ready to go back. What this does is inspire tough love time. Right. Tough love time taking the form of, uh, of Vic declaring to Nog, like, hey, like, we're not looking at blueprints anymore. It's, uh, it's over. It's time for, for you to, to re-enter society. Look at you. You're walking around without your cane. Like, you got what you came here for. Game over. I can end my own program anytime. Watch. And he does. <laughs> yeah. Pretty great trick. It's such a great trick that Nog doesn't quite believe it. Nog feels like he can turn back on the program if he just fiddles with the wiring a little bit. But O'Brien explains to him that Vic has free will. He can turn himself on and off whenever he wants to, which sounds very enviable. For an older man. I love the line, I'm an engineer, not a philosopher. <laughs> yeah. When they talk about that, that was great. But Vic is also able to appear in the 
in the ready room of the hollow suite, like the the unmade up hollow suite he pops into. And this is the centerpiece scene of the episode, this confrontation, because Vic stands firm, like the program isn't going to continue for the foreseeable. And it's a moment where Nog has to admit how much he needs it because of how scared he is. And he draws a comparison to the the relative predictability of life in the hollow suite and how unpredictable his life outside it has become and, and how much fear there is in that. If I can get shot, if I can lose my leg, anything can happen to me, Vic. I mean, Vic comforts him by saying that, you know, you could be me. That's no... <laughs> That's there's no joy in this life. I'm in hell. Hey there, Pally, listen, if your uncle trips across the plug that is powering this room, I'm out of here. You you think I like singing the same song 15 different times for the likes of you? Give me a break. <laughs> I've I've blown my hollow brains out a thousand times already. You don't even know it. You don't hear it, Nog, but I've jumped off of our balcony like a a groundhog's day amount of time. <laughs> Nug's feelings here feel really authentic. Like I was eager for the fray when the war started and now like the realness of it has really caught up with me and I don't feel safe out there. And I think Vic's response to this saying like being on for as long as I have, having experienced some life makes me realize how important life itself is and you are not living yours. You've you've self-checked out. Right. This seems to be the thing that that grabs Nog by the ears and gives him a good shake. This uh, this has broken the funk. Yeah, you wouldn't think that Vic Fontaine uh, knew anything about funk. Turns out he does. I would never have guessed that he wasn't faking the funk. This scene was a real reminder of part of what we lost when Aaron Eisenberg died. Like this, this is his moment, maybe his moment of the show. This is his episode of the show, certainly. And uh, when he when he walks out without his cane, it it made me feel a lot of things. Yeah, it was it was great, and I think a great showcase for what a talented actor he is. And then the next scene, I feel like also low key a great showcase of that because mm-hmm. you don't usually get the tearful confession scene this scene sucks so often right when they bang bang the the epiphany and the and the immediate and what happens aftermath. in the aftermath yeah. yeah but but tonally i think they really nail it here yeah and he comes out to cork and ram and lita and kind of lets him know what happened are you okay no but i will be and i think that that's that's a very hard landing to stick and him going in for a hug with his family is a big moment for him. It's a it's a kind of love that he was not open to in the beginning of the episode. You know what I think really benefits this scene and makes it sincere without breaking the spell is that they don't cut to Nog's face in the embrace. Right. And yeah. I think a oh, it's because it's in Lita's chest. You know, he right. plants he plants his face. <laughs> I mean, there's no safer place on the station than uh, 
than than being in those shields. <laughs> so uh, so he 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 places a re- he makes a return visit to to Vix, and this is clearly quite a while later. He's back in uniform. He's talking about how he's in. He's on limited duty, but he's like getting back to to normal and thanking Vic. Like getting pushed out of the nest is is what it took for Nog to find his wings. The gift that Nog gives to Vic is is life. The gift of life is what he gives him. Your program gets to stay running, pal. Like it or not. I guess yeah. Vic could choose to turn himself off again if he needed a rest, but now he gets a 26-hour day. But couldn't Vic could turn himself on too, right? Yeah, that's that's what I have a question about is like yeah. he could have been doing this the whole time. Maybe he just needed somebody to tell him explicitly that he had permission. But uh this really makes his day to the point that he bursts spontaneously into song. Yeah. Yeah, we get a big long musical number into the credits. And that's our show. Shooby dooby do you like this episode, Adam? <laughs> you really want to do this here now? Okay, okay, let's do it. Do I think it. the point you made earlier about this being a Reg Barkley story with a different face is a good one. And it was a lot of what I thought about when I was watching this. I mean, Reginald Barkley had a lot of problems problems that seem when when you see how the crew treats nog here seem forgivable or nurseable or i don't know what i'm how i'm trying to describe it but like surmountable yeah and i thought a lot about that episode while i was watching this one but boy what a choice to give vic fontaine and nog just an entire episode in which to play the entire story i don't feel like you get an episode of star trek outside of like a lower decks Mm -hmm. where you to the exclusion of main cast characters just give the entire time to featured performers yeah in the way that this one does and i think it's i wonder to what extent this experience encourages more of that in the star trek series to come because i like getting an outlier episode like this and i think this proves the hypothesis of of whether or not it can work because it it utterly did to me i think this is one of the great episodes of the season to me what about you yeah i I did really like the episode um it's that rare episode that feels like the character growth undergone by a character was believable despite it being like super super hard you know like yeah how many wharf episodes have we seen where wharf was a jerk at the beginning of the episode and like made a very fractional move to being less of a jerk by the end of the episode and we're like come on wharf <laughs> like it's nice to see nog actually like turn a corner here did you miss wharf in this episode because on the one hand i didn't because as you know I've I've sold all my wharf stock. Sell, 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 sell. Got none of it. Sold it a loss, yeah, even. I, I've happy been to be scooping free it, it up. It's it's uh it's on it's a penny stock right now. But uh, I wonder if there was a version of this episode where Wharf was more involved in Nog's p- 
post-war recovery from things. Right. You know, if there isn't a, I mean, and, and in the way that could backfire, like that could be an explosive moment where Worf is, is ringing the, the bravery and honor bell and Naga's just not having any of it. Yeah. I mean, Naga's a lot of people he could potentially talk to about this, not least of which is Jake, who has experienced loss in war. Like, right, Jake lost right. his mom to a war. Right. Moms are bigger than legs. Yeah. Uh, you know what else are bigger than legs, Adam? There's <laughs> priority one messages. Are, are priority one messages bigger than moms, though? I don't know. I wow. guess only if we have a mom message in there. Well, uh, let's go check out what we've got in the inbox. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, our first priority one message is from the crew of the USS Krub Cree. And it is to Nick Pon, a.k.a. Big Citrus. Big citrus, peel and peels. <laughs> Goes like this. Chula! We shot this probe through a spatime butthole, but what our theory presupposes is it's not too late to say happy birthday. We were going to get you a cameo from Ron Canada. But this will have to do since the town is still on lockdown. We're sending out a big 4-0 torpedo salute to our Captain DeCitrus, the drunkest Shimoda we ever had. Wow. Ever. Ever had. Yeah. That is a message that was targeted, hopefully, for July 13th. So sorry about uh, how long it took us to get to that one. And a good reminder, get out way ahead of it if you've got priority one messages you'd like to you'd like to schedule for specific dates. Nick Pond's birthday came and went and he's like, where the hell is the crew of the USS Krub Cree? They usually yeah. get me something. What yeah. the hell is this? Did they stop being friends with me and didn't tell me? Am I not enough of a drunk Shimoda for them to remember my birthday? Give me a break. What do I have to do to prove how drunk I can get? There's been months of that proof between then and now, Ben. I feel... I feel bad. Yeah. I feel bad, too. But, uh, happy belated, Nick Pond. You know who should feel bad? All of the people buying Priority One messages. It's their fault. It's not ours. This is a very popular system. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Ben, our second Priority One message is from Yagam Van de Berge. It is to Ben A. and Adam. Wow. Dear Ben A. and Adam, just a quick note to say how much I appreciate the good work you do with TGG whenever I feel down. You guys cheer me up with a great new episode of The Snow. (laughs) Keep taking the piss out of Bashir for me. Cheers, Yagam. Have we talked about the fact that Ben A. is what my wife calls me on the show? Yeah, I was gonna gonna bring that up. That's your pet name. I didn't know that that I didn't know that that was public knowledge, or or did Yagam predict that somehow? Does your wife go by Yagam uh, mm. on on all things internet? 
I have not noticed her uh, using that appellation, but uh, I'll ask her about it. <laughs> well, I tell you what, there's no way your wife is Yagam because Yagam listens to our show. And mm, as we've said right. many, many times, our wives do not. That's true. Well, if you'd like to get a Priority One message, get on it because they, they are filling up. I see Priority One messages in March on our calendar here. So yeah. that's just a, just a little heads up for anyone considering getting one. Uh, if you'd like to do it, it is 100 bucks for a personal message and 200 for a commercial message. And we sure appreciate it because it helps us cover the costs of making this show. And uh, you do it by going to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and... They send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful. No matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen. So I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It has been a long time coming that podshop.biz is as good as it is. The stuff on there is just really high quality, and there's a ton of variety. We've got t-shirts and sweatshirts, obviously, but we've got hats, we've got mugs, we've got water bottles, patches, mouse pads shower shoes there's so much great stuff on there i'm really proud of what we have on offer i'm proud that the store has a lot of really great size inclusive options and uh i think there's enough variety that just about any friend of DeSoto could find something that they'd really love to have in their collection at podshop.biz so head over there and give it a look why don't you back for another game you know it what's going on just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. 
but do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. I gotta get that, get that gold press Hey, Adam. Zap in. Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. Who's having more fun than Vic Fontaine? Mm. He's uh, he's getting his hopes up for a new casino. Yeah. As you know, Ben, a casino is a business that, that never loses money. You'd it's... have to be just a colossal idiot to ever go bankrupt owning a casino. Just like, just the absolute dumbest. Right. Like the... the point of the of the stuff with the casino in this is that Vic is making money hand over fist and doesn't even realize it. He is like so checked out of even like looking yeah. after the business of the casino that he doesn't realize what a latinum mine he's working. You want to know why? It's the assumption is that owning a casino is a license to print latinum. It's that easy. Yeah, it is just that easy. <laughs> You'd be a fucking moron to let one go out of business. Yeah. So uh, Vic Fontaine is my Shimoda. What about you? Uh, in the scene at the beginning when they're waiting for him in the shuttle bay and uh, and the the you know the airlock doors roll to the side, there's that one guy that wants to go into the shuttle and there's like, <laughs> you know, 30 people that want to come out of the shuttle and that one guy goes in the second the door opens and I, it just really reminded me of like riding public transit, which I haven't in a long time because of the pandemic but i really miss that like moron that does not comply with the social compact on the subway and tries to get on the second the doors open uh it just really made me laugh when i saw that and uh like i i thought i thought that that's like an extra that made a very funny choice so that That was great i noticed that guy too good spot well adam i'm gonna head to the game of buttholes the will of the prophets and get our board game going we need to find out how our next episode is going to go but first let me tell you what episode that is it's season seven episode 11 prodigal daughter when esri returns home to investigate o'brien's disappearance she uncovers disturbing family secrets prodigal daughter sounds a little like rural juror (laughs) prodigal daughter Particle yeah. daughter. Okay, so it, uh, we are on square 27, Adam. I've got... Uh, We're on naked, death's door, it looks like. Naked now, right right in front of us. And let me go ahead and uh, roll 
this a here bone. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. Roll a big number. See what we come by. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. I did roll a pretty big number. I rolled a five. So we are now right. on square 32. You got your wish. We are not drawing a bath for the next episode. I don't want any tub times. Not for <clears> me. No thanks. You have so much shame. Unburden yourself, man. Just enjoy a weird tub hang. The, the thing about the tub episode that that I think of most isn't isn't the nudity, isn't the degraded <laughs> sound quality. It was the heat. It was so hot. It was very hot. I, God, like like sweat in the cans hot. Can't do it. Don't want to do it. Unless it's an We're, ice bath, like some weird Tony Robbins ice bath dunking thing. That square uh, is not coming off the board, Adam, no, no matter how much <laughs> protestation you put up. Fine. All right. Fine. The, the point is that some of these are bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you hear it all the time watching the news. The, uh, the badness is the point. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wow. Well, regular ep for you and me next week, I'm happy to say. And uh, another opportunity for uh, our friends of DeSoto to uh, support the show. Because there's no yeah. episode they like more than a normal episode, right? That's the top kind of episode. And uh, you can support all of our episodes by going to MaximumFun.org join. Set up a monthly membership. It's really easy. You're not going to miss the five bucks a month. And uh, you get all the bonus content. And you know that you're helping make sure that this thing gets to go forward hey where's my camera all right okay there's the light there you go hey uh everyone who supported the show during max fun drive and then stopped the next month i see you ben <laughs> yeah, and i get the report and we get the graphs and we saw what happened the month after the drive like i get yeah. it you snuck in you took your little your, your couple of bonus content episodes you were interested in and then canceled it happens every year it's fine it seems like something I would have done, so like I get it. I get I get I get you're gaming the system. But your support means a lot in keeping the show going. Are now three shows yeah. going. And uh, if you can possibly help with the production, uh, an easy way to do that is over at maximumfund.org slash join. So thanks for sticking around. Another uh, great support we get is from our buddy Adam Raguzia, who made all the original music for our show. Of course, he worked off of the original Picard song of Dark Materias, and uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, Adam Ragusea now, great big YouTube celebrity, making easy uh, and delicious meals you can cook at home on his YouTube channel and teaching you all about food science. Go check out Adam Ragusea on YouTube. He's promised to do the theme song and interstitials for the upcoming uh, Greatest Generation Voyager series so uh if you've got polls for him i think he's accepting submissions get at him we're the beneficiaries of uh of the card daddy's help in an <laughs> official capacity he runs our social medias on instagram and on twitter you can find our official accounts there at greatest trek and with that we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of star trek deep space nine and an episode of the greatest generation deep space nine that uh takes us home for dinner so we can meet the family Captain,
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.